if you've got somebody who's phenomenal with Facebook campaigns and you want them to write copy, just because they can manage a social media market doesn't mean that they know how to write an email sequence or long form sales copy. You're listening to Real Marketing Real Fast, the only podcast that brings you unfiltered, undaunted, insider information on the latest tools and technologies for online marketers. Prepare to dive deep into marketing myths, breakthrough models, and cutting edge strategies that will have an immediate impact on the growth of your business. And now here's your host, marketing expert, Doug Morneau. Well, welcome back to another episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Today in studio, we've got joining me Joe Pomeroy. He has a degree in marketing and a master's in business administration with an emphasis on strategic development. While excelling in academics, Joe also worked as an instrumental leader in the rapid rise of a startup company, now doing in excess of eight figures annually. He centered on all things communication, from acquisition to retention to satisfaction. Joe used his superpower of empathy to quickly connect authentically with their clients. Now, that same superpower that he used to understand uh, those clients, he uses to understand your target audience to create trust and to connect with them to be your latest raving fans. After all, what your client really wants is for you to take away their pain. When they can trust you to do that, they will actively seek you. So today we're going to connect with Joe and we're going to talk about all things to get more leads, more sales and more fans as it relates to copy for your landing page and email sequences. So welcome, Joe Pomeroy, to the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast. Hey, Joe, super excited to have you on the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast today. So welcome to the show. Thanks, Doug. I'm excited to be here. Super excited to talk to you about things, uh, all things copy, all things copywriting. I sent out a, uh, my newsletter went out today to my subscribers and I said, hey, I'm, we're going to be talking about copywriting today on this episode of the podcast. And just before we hooked up on the show, I got an email in from A. Weber and the numbers are in. It's $293 billion. That's the total uh, estimated number of business and consumer emails that will be sent in 2019 per day. So... With that sort of competition, I'm hoping you're going to be able to shed some light for our listeners on how they can compete. Uh, they can get their emails open, clicked on, and they can sell more stuff. So do you want to fill us in and give us a little bit of background on the type of copy and the type of work that you're uh, you're doing right now? Yeah, absolutely. You know, what's crazy about that stat is that is just emails. That's only the competition you have with your sending emails. That doesn't take into account anything else that could be distracting your potential customers. So when you put it in that perspective, it takes that massive number and makes it even more critical to be able to get the attention of your target audience. So my whole focus is on uh, writing authentic copy. I and mean, we live in a society that is highly uh, digitized, that everything we can hide behind the mask of the internet. And so doing things that are authentic and vulnerable and can connect you to your audience, actually, as humans, we're looking for that. Uh, and that's a secret I'll dive I might dive into later as we talk. So what do you what do you mean by authentic? So you've you said authentic. So you yeah. know describe to me what the difference is between what you would call authentic copywriting versus whatever else there is. All right. So inauthentic copywriting, think of uh, you know, things in all caps, exclamation points, buy now, big sale, closing soon, uh, all these things that are meant to create some kind of fanatical hoorah. Uh, the kind of stuff that you might see on a on a 
uh, car lock commercial, things of that nature. That's the inauthentic thing. That's the, I'm just trying to flash in front of your face, get your attention. And hopefully if I can distract you long enough, I can get some bucks out of your wallet. So authentic uh, copywriting, that's more of instead of somebody pounding on your door, that's me. I'm going to open up my front door and say, hey, you know what? I've got some things of value in here. I'm going to welcome you in. And you're going to, and, and when you want to come into my house, you're going to see the mess in my front room, the, the dishes in the sink. It's just real. It's real. It's connection. It's about who I am. And I'm inviting you to come be a part of that with me. So how do you get into your client's head then to be able to write so it's coming across authentically? So they, you know, in essence, they're the brand. So, you know, if you see uh, see a speaker on stage and then you, you, you know, subsequently get his follow-up email or, or his marketing messages through whatever advertising format, it's going to be the same, kind of the same message. Absolutely. So here's a tip for everybody. If you're hiring a copywriter and 90% of their time is not spent in research, then they're not going to get your voice. And just like Doug, you were saying, that's going to be, that's going to miss the mark. Uh, really, most of the time and most of the effort is put into research, both understanding the core of the brand and the voice of the brand. And a lot of times uh, when I work with people, as I'm having those conversations, we get into deeper aspects and the kind of aha moments that they don't even, didn't even realize was part of their why as to what they're doing with their business. And so when we get to those very real aspects and have those conversations, whether through discovery calls or researching the material they provide, then we need to get into the heads of the, of the customer and really research who's your avatar, who's your target market, what makes them tick, and how do we combine the two? How do we make friends out of those two people? Well, how prepared uh, typically are your clients when they come to you? I mean, we hear, they hear the word avatar, target audience, custom audience, all those things all the time. And um, I listen to people talk about them and I ask them questions and people ask me as well. And it, and it seems that we have trouble focusing on, you know, who our ideal customer is because we're afraid we're going to lose business. So we cast this really wide net. So how do you help them to kind of rein that in? Well, Doug, you hit on one of the keys when you mentioned that, that we're afraid and so we cast a larger net. So uh, to, to answer the first part of your question, you asked how prepared are people? Well, the general answer is not as prepared as they think they are. And part <laughs> of that is because your avatar and your target market is constantly evolving. I mean, you can have your foundation, but as, as a society, we don't stand still. And so you need to have... Uh, people on your team that are helping you to continue to hone that in and really get cited on it. And one of the benefits of not doing copy yourself and bringing somebody else in is when you surround yourself with experts, it helps to alleviate the fear and, it, and to be able to have the confidence that you need to move forward in what's going to help you in the most immediate fashion. Yeah, and I think there's just something different different from, you know, writing it down versus having a conversation. I do well speaking and meeting with people and and having sales conversations. But when it comes to copy, I just find for myself personally, anyhow, I find it difficult to, I don't know, I wouldn't say write authentically. I find it difficult to sell in print. You know, I'm I, my old school stuff, the Dan Kennedy stuff and Gary Halbert stuff with the attention getting headline and the bold print and the Johnson text box and the italics. Um, that's kind of where I revert to. And I think that's what you're saying is, hey, that's not the way to do it. Well, like, actually, that is a great way to do it. And those are some of the I go to the classics, the Eugene Swartz and Gary Halbert, as you mentioned, like some of those classic copywriters and doing those headlines. But it's combining 
those classic traditions with authenticity and being able to write those headlines and do those bullet points and have those attention getting boxes, the content, the words you put in there need to be authentic. Because if you don't do the attention getting stuff, like like that you just mentioned, you're never going to get the attention that you need from your audience. So you need to do some of that to get their attention. But don't just put in rah rah stuff. Once you use that to get their attention, put in things that are meaningful and that resonate with them. Yeah, I guess, you know, like you said, you're, you need to add value to them. And and I found since I've been writing more and more now with just my own newsletter, I feel a lot more comfortable writing my style and my attitude has changed from, well, if you don't like my style, um, then just unsubscribe. Um, <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to be on my list, but it's easier than the pressure you put on yourself of, of writing. So how should I write so people will like it versus, you know, what information can I give them that will help them, which is a totally different mindset. Yeah. Well, and Doug, I love getting your newsletters and and I do read them. And one of the things that I enjoy about them is it's like I'm having a conversation with a friend who's giving me tips and advice. Like we're sitting around a campfire, just kind of chilling, just connecting. But everything that's in there is value. And when you open up and provide value in a way that feels like it's coming from a friend, that's something I want to read. That's something your customers want to read. Well, and, and I think as, as people, we, we, you know, we like to do business with people that we have things in common with, whether it's, you know, sports or outside activities or the arts or, you know, whatever it is. I mean, the more things that we can share and have in common, the, the, I think the better and deeper the relationships go. And, and I guess writing that style just kind of draws, draws people in that are attracted to, uh, you know, the same things they are. Absolutely. And that's how you, that's how you get fans instead of just subscribers. That's how you get people that want your business to succeed instead of just people that are curious as to what you have to say. So do you have an example you can share with us of, you know, somebody that you've worked with so you can, you know, it's, it's your option to give them a shout out or not, but that you've helped them walk through this process of saying, hey, they were doing it in-house and you've taken over their copy, their copywriting, and you're helping them to manage this process and have a better end result. Yeah, Absolutely. I was working with a client and she wanted to launch a course on teaching others how to start a business in her field. And she was more than qualified. Decades of experience. She's an industry trendsetter uh, in the U.S. She's spoken at national conventions for her field. Uh, but she's always she always had just avoided the spotlight. And so when I met her, she was at a point where she wanted to help more people and, and get more people on her list and give them what they were asking for. But she'd never quite done that part. Uh, so we use an approach called the reluctant hero. Uh, the reluctant heroes where the person offering the product or service says, well, I was going to keep this to myself. Uh, I'm happy where I'm at, but you kept asking for it. So I guess I'll go ahead and give it to you. And the key with that is that the co- copy communicated a true story about her journey from where she had no job to moving to a successful, creating a successful business, a true story about her expertise and about what she was ready to share with her list and how she felt about her list. And through that authenticity, uh, through being genuine about her journey, 20% of her list latched onto the idea, cheered her on, and she even had a good number of people offer testimonials without ever taking the course, just based on her character and her connection with them. And now her course is out there and she's successfully leveraging her skill set by helping other people start their own business. That's really cool. I mean, I, I think, you know, I was really surprised at one point I was at a, a event in, close to where we live in Vancouver. And um, one of the keynotes there was Gary Vaynerchuk. And so everyone knows who Gary is and what he has to say. But 
What was interesting was the the number of other business people they had on the panel, and each of them shared the struggle that they had in their business. And uh, one of the guys that's got a lot of media coverage lately is a guy by the name of Brian Scudamore, who's got a company called 1-800-JUNK. And he shared how their company needed some financing, and he went to their finance guy, and they were going to uh, borrow some money. And the finance guy said, it's, it's toxic money. It'll be bad for your business. So they had to make the hard decision of, of you know laying off some of their staff. But what was interesting was people took off their masks and they sat there and, and you know, from the outside looking at people's social presence in their company and the media attention they get, everything looked like it was wonderful, but all of them had been through a major struggle that had never been published or printed or not that I had seen anyhow shared before. And it just made the, the, their conversation more real. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, oftentimes... Oftentimes, business owners don't necessarily see themselves as an expert, but the reality is when you've built a business and you're making money at it and you're helping lots of people that you're an expert to somebody. And too often as uh, the viewer, we see where we're at. Maybe I want to start a business and then we see where the guru or the expert's at and all we see is that gap and we don't necessarily see the journey that it took to get there, the challenges, the frustrations. And so when the guru or the expert starts to shed light on that journey, it makes the pursuer feel like, hey, I can do that. You know, as long as I'm willing to follow these steps that they're giving me, I don't need to leap over this giant chasm that separates us. I can just take small steps and walk that journey that they're shedding light on. Yep. And hopefully not fall in the same ditch that they fell in because they told you (laughs) how to avoid it. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So walk us through, you know, in terms of copywriting, where's the low hanging fruit? So when you talk to business owners and they come to you, where do you think the easiest opportunity for them to improve their communications and attraction and conversion lies? The easiest page, the easiest place is landing pages or opt-in pages. People will go to your website and they'll look around and they'll see how things go. But too often business owners don't have action steps on their websites. And so, and then if you change one part, you need to change the other part. How many pages do I have? And how many clicks am I going to get for this person? But you can do a single page, short copy landing page uh, with minimal, minimal text on it. And really it's saying, Hey, I care. This is why I care. This is the pain you're feeling. This is how I can help. Send me your email and I'll send you a guide. And with, you know, 200 words or less, you can have the opportunity to get somebody on your list and start developing that relationship with them. So keeping that in mind, so do you typically work or recommend that, you know, if people are going to hire a writer, they would work through the process of landing page and then the subsequent email sign up process, follow up and all the other stuff that's going to come after that to keep kind of the same tone and messaging? Definitely. I mean, it's a, it's a process. And if all you have is this phenomenal landing page and you get people to sign up and then there's zero follow up to it, you're going to lose those people. They're going to go cold. And then when you finally do send them something, they're going to unsubscribe. But, you know, the what's the old adage? Uh, you eat an elephant one bite at a time. Yep, absolutely. And uh, so you got to start somewhere. And so if the best place then to start is the landing page. You get your landing page or and then you need a lead magnet. You need to give them something of real value. And, and here's a big secret, real value, give it your best, give them your best value. Uh, Cause one of two things is going to happen. You give them your best value and they're going to say, man, if this is what this guy's giving away for free, I wonder what I can get with paid stuff. And they're going to get really hooked and really interested. And then the other aspect 
is that you're always learning as a business person. And so what was your best yesterday isn't necessarily your best today. You can continue moving the person forward. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think lots of, you know, there's a mix. I see people that hold back. They say, hey, you know, uh, you know, I'd love to tell you about that, but it's in my book, just buy my book. So that's not going to convince me because they haven't demonstrated any expertise. All they've done is pitched me something and I'm and I'm, they haven't addressed my problem. Yeah, and I know there's times before where I bought people's courses and materials just as a test, if you want to call it that. Let's see how smart they are and how good their content is. And then if it's really good, what I'm going to do is I'm going to hire them to do the work. But this is a way to evaluate the quality of the person, sign up for their course, buy their course, look through the material and say, yep, makes sense. Now let's go, let's go hire them and get them to do the work for me. Yeah. And if, if they had held that back, if they'd only given chicken scraps, oftentimes the user ends up feeling more frustrated, feeling like they could have figured that out in a quick Google search. And so giving real value makes a big difference. Well, and to your point with regards to email, I mean, emails, the welcome message that people get after your opt-in page typically have a, you know, nine times higher revenue compared to any other promotional email you're ever going to send. So you're leaving a lot of a lot of money on the table if you're not doing that. And about three quarters of the people expect expect to get one and less than half the marketers send it. So, you know, if you're going to like you said, if you're going to write good copy and convince people to sign up for your lead magnet, make sure you send them a welcome message and follow up and don't be afraid to to make them an offer to help them further. Yeah, absolutely. If they've I mean, if they've agreed to give you their email address, then there is an interest there and there's an opportunity there. And if I mean, it's the same thing you talked about purchasing a course. Well, how many times do people purchase courses or buy a book or get a gift or, you know, I still have DVDs that are unwrapped or that have purchased movies that I've never watched. And that's something that's lazy and easy to do. And that, so that's just wasted opportunity. So if, if you're putting in the time and effort to get somebody on your list, that welcome email sequence is really important. And it doesn't have to be its own entity in and of itself. It can transition into your main product or your main offering. Uh, but there needs to be steps in tra- along the way. If you give them a lead magnet, then instantly they're just part of your standard newsletter and they're lumped in with the rest of the crowd. That's not going to do much for that authentic connection that we've been talking about. And so you can have maybe like a 10 email series that's sent over the period of a couple weeks where you're just giving additional value and maybe introducing them to stuff that, that you've done in the past that has benefited people a lot. You can say, hey, you know, I know you liked the information I had on subject lines. And now that you've got that, hey, here are some best ways to close out a uh, copy to close out a sale. Or here's really good ways to introduce yourself. And you spread that out over the next couple of weeks. And now you're ingraining yourself as someone who is willing to give value and willing to help. And you put yourself in that connected friend position as opposed to just another sales guy in a suit. Yep, absolutely. So what's the biggest myth around, you know, hiring somebody to do copy versus doing it in-house? That's a great question. Thank the you. biggest myth about hiring somebody to write the copy for you or doing it in-house, uh, it really depends on the skill set of who you have in-house. If you've got somebody who's phenomenal with Facebook campaigns and you want them to write copy, just because they can manage a social media market doesn't mean that they know how to write an email sequence or long-form sales copy. And so the idea is you can write your own copy. I mean, just like Michael Phelps, he could go jump off a diving board or he could play water polo at the Olympics, but he's not going to win gold in any of those sports. And even worse, he could end up damaging his ability to win gold in swimming where he's an expert, where he's a champion. And so as a business owner, you have an expertise. Your employees have an expertise. 
And that's solving your client's problem. So if you do what you do best and surround yourself with the right team, your business wins. So the real question, I guess, becomes, do you want to just attend the Olympic equivalent of your field? Or do you want to be a champion? And if you want to be a champion, focus on what you do best and, and get the right people around you, hire the right people to come in, write copy, get that outside perspective and get you on the medal stand as a champion. Well, the other thing I've found too is it's an outside perspective. I mean, so often as as business owners or entrepreneurs, we're very close to, obviously super close to what we're doing, super emotional or emotionally attached to what we're doing. And having somebody else, an outside perspective that doesn't know the industry as well, or doesn't have that necessarily emotional connection, can you shed, you know, give you a new perspective on, you know, what your customer may read? Because, you know, when I write something, I read it. And for example, my my newsletter went out today. And I noticed when I when I, I saw it to open up my email today, I noticed there was a typo in the subject line. Yep. I think great. Typo my subject line. You saw it. I saw it. I said to my wife last this morning when she got up, I said, Hey, did you see my email? And she said, Yeah. I said, What's the subject line? And she read it to me three times. And each of the three times she read it to me, she read it to me the way that I intended to write it. <laughs> I said, Did you get a different email than me? So, you know, there is there's perspective, right? There is an outside, there's an outside yeah. view. So you noticed it, I noticed it. Um, but I didn't notice it before I scheduled it a couple of days ago to go out. So that's that's the way it goes. Well, it makes me think of uh, in, in American football, a lot of times the defensive coordinator will be up high in a booth so that he can look down. He can see where the uh, opponent, opposing team, where their positions, how they're laid out, where they are in the field. And then based on that, he can get an idea of their strategy and tactics and how to approach for victory. He's not necessarily the coach standing on the headlines, walking up and down the sideline. Sorry, standing on the sidelines, walking up and down, yelling at the team, patting people on the helmets as they come in. Like that's that guy's right in the heart of it. You need an outside perspective. So I just want to see a different question. This is a different direction. So we're talking about copy. So, you know, we have landing pages an opportunity. Websites obviously need to make sure that uh, at some point that they are in alignment with uh, the copy you've got on your landing page. When you write, say, I don't know what to call it, like a block of copy for somebody, um, say for a landing page, you know, do you typically help them to reformat that or recycle that or reuse that, repurpose that for social being, you know, your conversation earlier was just because you can write for Facebook doesn't mean you can write for landing page. And I'm assuming that, you know, you want to have the core message. So that's my question. Do you, you know, take your, the bulk of the copy and content you've done and help your client to repurpose it into the other medias? That depends on the scope of the project, to be honest. But in reality, all copy is going to come down to a basic core message. If you want it to be unified, you need to figure out that core message first. And then the kind of copy you write evolves from that core copy, uh, for, from that core message. So if I'm writing a landing page for somebody, then the bulk of the research is going to go into what is the core message? Let's get it nailed down. Let's understand what that is. And then how do we connect that as as quickly as we can in a landing page, which will be different than how do we connect that core message in a social media blip, or will be different in how can we connect that core message in a post on LinkedIn or the front page of the website. But if they all have that same core message, then the modality in which you deliver the message will vary. And so then it becomes, okay, where do you want to start? We've figured out the core message. Let's get the landing page written. And then whether or not I help them in the other aspects depends on how much they want to grab on to that core message and how much they want to deliver that core message across their different modalities. 
So setting expectations when you're, you're you're talking to a client or a client's looking to hire somebody for copy. I mean, I know there's all sorts of expectations that we have. Some some are spoken and some aren't. And um, you know, I used to joke about just as a, a, a different example. You know, you your stockbroker phones you and tells you about a great stock that's going to be a long term hold. And um, you say, yeah, long term, I hear you, I agree, I buy it. And then what do you do? That first night you go to bed, you dream about it going up and becoming an instant millionaire. Although he told you and you agreed it was going to be long term. So how do you work with your clients in terms of setting expectations for how long is it going to take to to work with them to get their first bit of copy out? And then realistically, um, how much testing and changes are going to need to be done over a period of time to you're basically up and running and you can ramp it up? Yeah, great question. You mentioned something at the very beginning of this conversation where you talked about needing to write down who your target market is. Anytime you've got multiple people communicating about the same topic, putting those things in writing can make a big difference. Um, that's why I love that you transcribe your podcast episodes because the way that somebody says something versus how I read it can be different. So you get those different things written down and have those expectations laid out in front. What's our long-term goal? Where are we looking to move for this? The other part of it, and, and something that cracks me up with uh, copywriters, is that as a copywriter, I'm supposed to be an expert communicator. But if you sign the contract and you send me the cash, and then you don't hear from me until three hours before the deadline, and I say, here you go, good luck. Uh, how is that expert communication? And so mapping <laughs> out like, hey, we've got, this is the scope of our project. Here, you know, our deadline is four weeks out for when we want to have all these pieces put together. Then having weekly communication to check in. It's the same thing if you think of a pilot flying a plane. He doesn't wait until he thinks he's five miles or, or you're in Canada, so we'll talk kilometers, five kilometers out from the airport <laughs> before he decides to check his bearing. If you check that bearing all along the way and you can get the most direct route. So that's part of the expectation setting up front. Uh, the other fact is, is, as awesome as I think I am at copywriting, as I believe I am at copywriting, it doesn't mean that I'm perfect. If you look at American baseball, if you're batting over 300, meaning that you get a hit and get on base three times out of 10, you're considered a really good batter. If you're doing it four times out of 10, then you're an unbelievable hitter and teams are going to offer you loads of cash. So I like to think that my batting average is higher when it comes to copy and it, where we get more hits than losses but nothing's perfect. So it's all part of the strategy. And the best way to figure out whether or not something is perfect is through A and B testing, which I always recommend. So anytime I do a landing page, I, and this is something I actually want to offer to your listeners without an additional charge, but usually I recommend, okay, if you're going to do a landing page, we're going to give you version A, and then we're going to make some slight tiny adjustments to the headline. We're going to switch these words around. We're going to change this bullet point. We're going to reword this just a little bit different. So it's the same basic theme, with some minor adjustments to see which one works better. And we can do the same with email sequences and things of that nature. That way we're figuring out what resonates the most because you may have something that, that is getting you a 10% return and you change two words in it and it can jump it to a 14% return. And so there's just those minor adjustments. Yeah, I always find it so interesting that, you know, in the in the sales and marketing field, especially, I mean, I guess it's probably the same in, in, in business in general, there's this expectation of, of never losing. It's like everything I do has to work. Yet you, like you said, you watch the baseball game or you watch the football game or you watch the basketball game and nobody makes 100% of the shots. Yeah. And the other difference that I see in, in sports compared to business is that all the athletes are coached. Yeah. 
most of them are on, um, you know, coach mentally, coach physically, coach nutritionally. Yet as business owners, we we somehow think that, hey, you know, I can just run this by myself. I've got my staff and I'm good on my own without having, you know, in your, you know, in your case, a coach to come in or someone to come in with copy and to, and to help out and know that we're not going to hit it out of the park every single time. Not every time we get up to bat, it's going to be a grand slam. Yeah, for sure. And and it's really having those expectations. And I think a lot of that for me comes down to mindset. Uh, do you have a fixed mindset where failure represents your inability to ever succeed? Or is it a growth mindset where if I don't succeed this time in this way, then I can look at, okay, what happened? What do I need to change? Let's get up. Let's try again. And as long as you keep getting up and you're learning, then you're moving forward. And that can be scary in business when you've got money on the line, when you've got uh, bills to pay, that can be scary. Absolutely. So what are you most excited about in the next six to 12 months? Oh man. Uh, so I'm most excited about the classics. I feel like marketing goes through cycles. I feel like there's an explosion of excitement and everybody starts running around for the latest and greatest thing. And then the smoke clears and the dust settles and the classics are what remain. Well, everything else is just kind of faded away. Uh, so that's kind of the cycle of marketing that I look at. And email is the key classic. Email is the constant. Doug, you know that as well as anybody else. And I look at the next six to 12 months as a settling period. The movement's still happening. Other people are still searching for shiny, shiny objects right now. And that's okay. But that's why right now makes it the perfect point in the marketing cycle to build your email list. Because that email list is going to give you the foundation, the habits, the processes. So when this marketing cycle settles back down on the classics, you'll be months ahead of your competition. They'll still be trying to figure that stuff out and you'll be cruising along. Well, and you know, it's funny that you say that because these, you know, some of my reading, I spent a fair amount of time doing research and reading to, to see, you know, what the uh, the leaders in the industry are doing and, and what, who, what the influence are doing. And I've heard a bunch of times in this last week to 10 days about how um, LinkedIn is, although it's the platform has been around for a long time, is, is they viewed it in, at this infancy of like where Facebook was you know, five, six years ago. And then I also heard someone else talk about SMS. I'm thinking, man, I haven't heard anyone talk about text messaging for a long time. And like it was a like it was something brand new. So so here's some, you know, more traditional, older forms of marketing, SMS, LinkedIn, email, amongst all these brand new things. And we've got some of the major, major marketing influencers in the world saying, hey, I'm spending my time in in these areas um fine to spend some time spend 20 percent of your time testing the new stuff but spend 80 percent of your time in the core yeah well and that's how you know where we're at in the cycle as well is because if the influencers if that's what they're talking about people are still trying to decide whether or not they believe them whether or not they're ready to let go of some of that stuff and and really go after the trends and you mentioned gary v earlier i mean one of the things that has brought him great success is anything new that came he man, he just went and attacked it and it didn't all work for him. And there's some things that were a bust, but because he was always on the front edge of that, he was able to reap the benefits of that. So that's the same idea. When you see, when you've got the influencers and what they're talking about is what's coming up next, don't wait to see if the herd moves in that direction. You be the be you know the leader following after those influencers. That seemed like an oxymoron, a leader following after the influencers. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, he, I, I saw I saw Gary Vee post this last week. I mean, so here's a guy who's super successful at what he's doing, you know, in demand, speaks all over the world, and he does a he does a post on LinkedIn saying, "Hey, I lost this much money on my Uber IPO." So, you know, he's a venture capital guy. So, you know, don't be so hard on yourself if you invest in something, you try something, and it doesn't work because you got guys that are much smarter, have much more money, still, like you said, trying trying different tactics and going, you know what, I tried that, didn't work, didn't work for my business. Maybe it works for somebody else's business and move along. Yeah, I love that. You know, if I were to throw any advice on the tail end of this to your listeners who are kind of struggling to pull the trigger and take that next step or make a change, I mean, really, it's you got to get clear on what you want and get clear on why you want it. Clarity dissolves fear. Maybe it doesn't eliminate it, but clarity can help you see your fear for what it is. And when you have real clarity, you can move past that fear. Uh, There's a quote that I love. There's different versions of it, but the version I like the best is attributed to Bruce Lee. And it's courage is not the absence of fear. It's the ability to act in the presence of fear. So get clear and get moving. Yeah, I hear you. My, my one of my favorite quotes uh, in terms of you know stress when you you know business sometimes goes well and sometimes it doesn't go well is comes from uh, Dan Kennedy, and um, I remember sharing this with a few people around me when I was really focused. I went, you know, if if the if the house is on fire, do not in any circumstance disturb me unless I'm in imminent danger. Call the fire department. <laughs> so. <laughs> Just let me work and you guys figure it out. I'll be just fine. Thank you very much. But if I'm going to Paris, you might want to come knock on my door and kick me out. <laughs> if it's in the other end of the house, I'm good. Yeah, I'm all good. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just wait. Don't shut the power off because I got to reboot my computer. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so what are the steps for someone who's saying, okay, fine, this, this kind of sounds cool. Uh, I want to explore this a bit more. Um, I've never used somebody for copy or I've used someone for copy and it didn't work in the past. So what are the steps that people would take to prepare themselves to move towards working with someone like you to help them to, um, you know, uh, have a different look, a different perspective and, and hopefully have more success in their, in their sales and marketing effort. A first number one step is to get things down on, on paper or in a word doc. If you just have ideas floating around your head, they're going to change based on your mood. They're going to change based on what bills you have coming up that are due or, or whatever. So start getting things down on paper. That's step number one. Once you have it down on paper, um, share it with some close, trusted people to make sure that you're not just BSing yourself, that what you've got down on paper is real and authentic to who you want. And then you can start reaching out to find somebody who resonates with your core message. Um, the reality is, is there's people that are doing businesses and projects. Like as an example, I met somebody who she teaches strippers how to make more money as strippers. And I thought, hey, okay, that's not for me. And that's, you know, that's, that's fine. That's her way where she wants to go. And, but I'm not the copywriter for her. So you need to find somebody that resonates with your message. And that can take some trial and error. I mean, my focus is anybody that has a business or a message who is striving to help people become better than who they currently are, man, I can resonate with that. And I can, I can connect with your audience and your target market all day long on that. When you want to, if you want to write something specific for the financial industry and, and use terms that are not familiar to me, then I'm not your guy for that, but I can point you in the right direction. So reach out to people you know and people you trust, see who they guide you to, find out why they're guiding you to that person. Do they have real experience with that individual or is it just the name that they know? And then have a conversation face to face if you can over Zoom if needed. 
but get to know the person because you got to recognize this person writing your copy is going to be acting as your voice. And if you don't connect with them, your audience isn't going to connect with them. So stop wasting your time and move forward with something else. Yeah. And I'd say don't expect it to be perfect the first time. I mean, my experience has been working with writers is, you know, I'll, I'll put together a creative brief, which basically is, you know, here's our audience. Here's where I think they are in terms of their demographics, psychographics, education, all that sort of stuff. So you get a feeling of who the person is. Here's their pain point, And then here's where we want to lead them. And then from there, the writer goes away and comes back and we start with the draft and say, hey, you know, we're 80% there, we're 60% there, or we're 90% there. And it goes back and forth. So it's not a have one phone call with Joe and then um, magic happens uh, 24 hours later, the copy is perfect, it's done, and it's out producing everything by, you know, 500%. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's part of what I mentioned before about that consistent communication. I mean, whether, whether your listeners choose to work with me or find somebody else, that's awesome you know, set up the expectation from the start of, of how you want the communication to be. And if they don't offer anything until to send it to you right before the deadline, like say, Hey, that's not going to work for me. Like, let's figure out a date and time that we can connect. Even if it's just 15 minutes and kind of get updates or where you're going to send me some information that I can review to make sure that we're still on track. Uh, but you're right. It, it is a process. It is a journey, but you're going to get to your desired destination a lot faster with the right guide. Yep, totally agree. So let's, uh, let's bring us to a close here tonight So or, or this afternoon. So who's one guest I absolutely have to have on my podcast? <laughs> so I, I knew you were going to ask that because you always ask that. And so I was thinking <laughs> about, you know, I've talked a lot about connection, authenticity. Uh, you got to get Stu McLaren. Uh, he's, he's Canadian, so that's a plus. But he's got a company called Tribe and he deals with membership sites. Uh, membership platforms. And that's everything that he does on the business side. But he and his wife, they started a nonprofit organization building schools in Africa. And when you hear about his story and how he got involved in that and what he's doing, and then you look at... I just It's amazing the things that he's doing on the business side as well as on, on the personal side and what he's doing with the legacy that he's creating. So Stu McLaren is, my, is who you got to get on your podcast. Well, that'd be awesome if you'd uh, do an email introduction. That'd be wonderful. So now for people who are interested in learning more about Joe and what it looks like to work with the copywriter, how to find you, track you down, how do they do that? Shoot me an email. Put the podcast, Real Marketing Real Fast, and uh, Doug's name in the subject line. and Shoot me an email, joe, J-O-E, at forwardwithjoe.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn. Excellent. Hey, well, I just want to say thanks for taking time today and uh, sharing with our audience. Um, you know, I think the art of the written word, uh, I won't say that it's dying, but I think that people underestimate it. Uh, we're all working on these mobile devices these days, typing with our thumbs and what comes out the other end isn't always pretty. Yeah, I'd agree. And uh, never lose sight of the importance of connection. It's relationships that propel your business forward. And the stronger you can make those connections, the faster you can get to your desired destination. So there you go, listeners. There's another episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. And today we didn't talk real fast, but we did talk about something real important. And that is the importance of copy, good copy, and why you need to consider how that looks. Does it align with your brand on your on your web page, on your landing pages, and your social media feeds? So happy to have my friend, Joe Pomeroy, as my guest today. I hope that this episode was helpful. As usual, we'll make sure the show notes are transcribed. And I'd suggest two things to you. One is make sure you subscribe to 
the podcast. And if you like the episode, uh, leave us a review and make sure you're subscribed to my email list so you can get the inside scoop on what's going on. And they said before, if you get the email, you don't like it, just hit the unsubscribe and I'll wish you well. So thanks again, Joe, uh, and have an amazing rest of the week. Thanks, Doug. You too. That's all for this episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Now it's time to take your marketing to the next level by visiting DougMorneau.com and downloading our advanced marketing white papers as well as exclusive resources based on today's episode. That's DougMorneau.com. Until next time, we look forward to serving you right here on Real Marketing Real Fast.